on the credits. To find out more, head over to bit.ly slash seeingsf or go to p-o-z-i-b-l-e dot com and search for Seeing Short Film. That's p-o-z-i-b-l-e dot com and look for Seeing Short Film. If you're looking for a unique gift idea for a movie fan, you could even put it in someone else's name. Check it out today at bit.ly slash s-e-e-i-n-g-s-f and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia. We have got a great guest coming up here in just a few moments. We are going to go to the telephones. Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself, my friend. Tell us about yourself. And Jennifer Carroll, former lieutenant governor of the great state of Florida, and now the national spokesperson for Maggie's List, which is a political action committee that started in 2010 to help combat the liberal left. Uh, Emily's List, as everybody knows about, Emily's List gets a lot of money from George Soros and the the liberal leftists to encourage women to run for office. So Maggie's List is a counter to that that will financially support and endorse uh, conservative women running for Congress. Unfortunately, in the last um, election cycle, the Democrats with the Me Too movement and the funding of Emily's List was able to elect 106 women to the House of Representatives as well as to the Congress. And the Republican numbers dropped to only 21 with females that are currently serving in the Congress as we speak. So Maggie's List is hoping to turn the tide on that and have more conservative voices to push back against the socialist leftists, Elon and AOCs that are trying to undo and circumvent our Constitution. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, she joins us live here on iHeartRadio. Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll is with us. And uh, so give us a little bit more details on this so people can kind of understand what's going on. Well, Maggie's List is a political action committee, as I mentioned. And individuals can find out more about Maggie's List at maggieslist.org. Now, Maggie's List was named after, the, the found, we, as I mentioned, we found it in 2010 by uh, Sandra Mortham, who was our former Florida Secretary of State in Florida, myself, and uh, also former Republican Party of Florida Chair Carol Jean Jordan, the need to financially support conservative women for office. But Maggie, Maggie Chase Smith was the first woman elected to both the House of Congress, and she served in the House from 1940 to 48, and in the Senate from 1948 to 1972. And she was also the first woman to be named and placed in nomination for the presidency of any major party in 1964. So that's where we get our name from, Maggie's List, to support conservative women. But our movement came about seeing that the Republican Party wasn't doing much to support our women candidates coming in. And then we saw our numbers dwindling. And then we saw that on the Democrat side, there were a number of really radical socialist voices popping up that the men are afraid to, the Republican men are afraid to go after and push back that this is not what our founding fathers have envisioned this country to be. 
So we are supporting conservative women who are fiscally conservative, who respects our Constitution, who respect our military and want to make sure that we have protected borders and rule of law, most importantly. And with the financial support that we get from individuals that go to our website and donate and also um, have our congressional partners, they are members of Congress that we call congressional partners that have funded, helped fund us as well, we turn that money back over to our women candidates that are running for the Congress because we know money's milk is the mother's money. The money is the mother's milk of politics, and when some of our women candidates are getting primaried by male counterparts that have already been deemed to be the one, the heir apparent to those particular seats, it is very difficult for them to raise money. So, with the support that we get from Maggie's List, go into these candidates to help support them financially as well as electioneering to put the word out about the candidates and what they stand for. We have 36 co-chairs in various states, Alabama, American Samoa, uh, Arizona, Indiana, Mississippi, Missouri, New, uh, New York. And we have two of our uh, star risers here for our 2020 endorsed candidates, which is Michelle Steele. She's running California 48 Congressional District, and Rosemary Beshi, who's running in um, New Jersey's 7th District. Although you know, some people say, why bother to run in areas where, you know, like California? Who's going to win in California? Well, if we don't step into the game, we never know if we're going to win. And we have to start somewhere. We cannot concede these seats to the Democrats and say, okay, let them have it. Because if that's the case, then they're going to have our entire country. We need to take back the House and get true, staunch conservatives, not just rhinos, conservatives that will help President Trump with his conservative agenda to make sure that we have a greater country, as well as in the Senate, to increase our majority in the Senate because things are being gridlocked. The president cannot even get some of his nominees to come through the Senate without gridlock. So we need to increase our numbers in the Senate. And our women candidates have demonstrated that they will fight back, that they are not about the political gamesmanship that we have seen happening, and they will be truthful and honest to support the president in the agenda that's going to help the American people. Fantastic. We have got a great guest with us today. Jennifer Carroll joins us here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Now, talk to me a little bit about your early life and education and career, because you have an incredible background. I do. I am an immigrant. I was born in Trinidad, West Indies, and my adopted parents brought me up to the United States when I was eight years old. They, too, were immigrants, and they worked very hard. They worked several jobs to make a good quality of life for them and, and, and our household. And my father taught me that it's important to give back. When I joined the military, when I came out of high school, I spent 20 years in the Navy. I was a jet mechanic when I was enlisted, and I moved up to the ranks to retire as a Navy aviation maintenance officer, lieutenant commander after 20 years of service. And this country has afforded us great opportunities that I am proud to say that I gave back, that I did my part to protect the freedoms and liberties of this country. The other day, there was a, a principal in my area in Jacksonville, Florida, that there were some students in his classroom that refused to stand up to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And he just wrote on a board that, remember those that have come before you, including you know, many blacks that were not even able to drink out of the same water fountain, and then we evolved into having a black president. So 
So we have come a long ways, and so therefore, you know, you need to stand up and respect the flag. And I don't understand why that was so controversial. And when I was served in the, in the Navy, when I went to boot camp, one of the things that I had to do was one of my proudest moments was to hoist a flag. And nowadays, many of our young people don't even know that the tradition was if that flag ever touched the ground, you had to burn it because that was a form of disrespect. And I was so nervous. I was just 19 years old, but I was nervous with putting this flag up and making sure that it didn't touch the ground, that I did the, the right job the right way. And that moment gave me goose pimples that I, this uh, immigrant, had an opportunity to hoist the American flag that have given myself and my family so many great opportunities that even to this moment, I'm, I'm 60 years old today, you know, my birthday, and, and that still gives me goose pimples. So in my time serving in the military, I've had wonderful opportunities to meet great people, go to great lands to see the differences between what's overseas and what we have in this country and appreciate this land even more so after traveling overseas. And also, too, the leadership, managerial experiences that I've received in my time in service was instrumental in my successes in the, both the legislature and as lieutenant governor of the state of Florida. I was the first black elected, black Republican elected to the Florida legislature, and I was the first black elected statewide ever in the state of Florida, and the first female elected in the state of Florida. So many accomplishments. My husband and I have been married 36 years now, three children, accomplished children, graduated from the public school system, but we were no-nonsense parents. We, our kids had to be responsible for things in a household as well as what was their responsibility in school. It was no excuses. And they, the one thing that we told our kids when they went to school, and each one of them started at the age of two at pre, in preschool, is that your excuse is not going to be the teacher, teacher didn't like you because this is why you failed. You failed because you didn't apply yourself. And I think that's what we need to get back to, personal responsibility. We have got a great guest with us today. Jennifer Carroll joins us here on the broadcast. And uh, you have had a tremendous political career. Uh, talk to us about your political career, because you, you, you've done some amazing, amazing things, groundbreaking things. Yeah, a lot of groundbreaking things. And one of the things I was most proud of as lieutenant governor, I was the chairperson of Space Florida, and it was a time when our space shuttle was um, going into mothballs. And unfortunately, between President Bush and President Trump, that that program was allowed to end. And people don't even realize that we have to rely on the Russians to get our uh, astronauts to the International Space Station. There's no vehicle that we can provide that was like the reusable vehicle that was like the space shuttle. And when the space shuttle ended, many of our astronauts that were getting to the International Space Station are being transported by Russia. So when I hear all these Russia talks and, and, and Russia's evil and so forth, we are conducting business with them in a major way because without our International Space Station and the launching of satellites and payloads that go up there, we would not have the type of technology that we have on Earth for our cell phones, for medicine, for uh, our TV, and the things that we're so accustomed to, our GPS and so forth. And so 
with the shuttle program ending, it was supposed to be where we had over 80,000 workers that were going to be displaced from any kind of uh, employment within that arena. And because of the work that I did with Assistant Secretary Yonkers, who was the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force and the also then Secretary of the Air Force and NASA um, Executive uh, Director at um, uh, Bob Cabana and the, and the NASA, uh, NASA um, uh, Executive, uh, not Executive Director, Administrator Bolden, uh, he, they helped me to bring commercial space operations to the state of Florida. Now, they were Democrats. I didn't care. The bottom line was we had to work together to make sure that 80,000 people and their families still were able to maintain jobs and kept them afloat during the time that we were going through a recession and such a critical moment for a, a major industry ending, which in the state of Florida was a $65 billion industry for this our space and aerospace uh, uh, industry. So that would have been a very steep hole for us to lose. And because of my work with the people that I mentioned and our foresight to bring SpaceX and the Sierra Nevada uh, to, the, to the state of Florida, as well as funded them and give, given them some incentive to create more commercial space operations in the state of Florida, a lot of those displaced workers were able to find jobs right here in the state, and we did not experience that a sucking hole of, of unemployment as people had gloom and doom that it would have been. The sad thing for the country is that we do not have a reusable vehicle that can take uh, our astronauts to the International Space Station. America doesn't. So we have taken a step back in that arena. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, she joins us live. Jennifer Carroll is fantastic. And uh, so talk to me about your late later political career, because uh, you, you worked on the 2016 presidential campaign on behalf of Donald Trump. Talk to me about that. That was rather interesting, you know. During that, that campaign, no one really knew who Donald Trump was. They saw him as the American Apprentice, and, and it was very hard to get people to get behind Donald Trump because you had your Marco Rubio supporters, your Jeb Bush supporters, and people, the stalwart of the party that people knew. And here comes Donald Trump, just out of the blue, and they're like, who is this guy? Is he really serious? He's not going to win. And the more I saw, because, like as I mentioned, I was a state legislator as well as a lieutenant governor, and I saw the political gamesmanship that occurs behind closed doors and did not like a lot of the hypocrisy and the, the, um, the uh, for the lack of better terms, the lying that occurred to the, the American public. And we still have that happening in some, in some sense because the politicians rely on the average person not knowing much about politics, how it works. So the campaigners will come out and say whatever they want to say that they think the people want to hear, and people are going to rah, 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 vote them back in, and then they get in, as we've seen with Paul Ryan. Um, the whole mantra was, we're going to get rid of Obamacare because it's so onerous, it's costing you too much money, you can't keep a doctor, just reelect us, and we're going to change things, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. And then Donald Trump came onto the scene and said, okay, I, bring me a bill, I'm going to sign it. Then all of a sudden they couldn't deliver or didn't want to deliver because 
that made all these insider trade in and tradings with their buddies and and had their dealings that they weren't going to really do those things they were just going to tell us these things but with donald trump it was refreshing to see a person that said his word that meant his word that committed to his word that you could rely on what his word was and that's when i was asked to uh, join on board to be one of his surrogates. Now, as a black Republican, it was very difficult because, you know, the, the Democrats, are t- most blacks were are, voters are Democrats, and, and they're saying, oh, this guy's bombastic, and, you know, he's, he's a racist, and, and all the mantra they're hearing on the other side. So a person like myself have to go on CNN and the radio and, and, and support this person that I, I didn't know him personally at that, at that time, but I believed that he was a proper the right leader that this country needed to turn things around to be honest with the American public so that they will know what their government is all about and what it should be about of the people, by the people, for the people. And he has certainly demonstrated that through then. But to talk about the jabs and the hits that I received personally, because now I'm putting myself on the line to support this person that no one, well, many of the people didn't care for, at least people of color, to say why I should support him or why they should support him. But I believe the proof is in the pudding now, where people are seeing money back in their pockets. They're seeing less regulations. They're seeing our country uh, really getting and standing on its own two feet that it should be, and and also having a president that is not going to be saying one thing and doing something else. Our leaders, our international leaders are seeing that. We're seeing that as, his, as he's tr- um, trying to bring about a fairer trade with China. And what China is probably hoping for is that we have a different type of leader that, that's going to balk. And President Trump is not going to balk. He's gonna, he, and some of the things that he puts out there, but he knows that he, he may or may not follow through on it, but just the threat of it, and they know that he, he can follow through if he wanted to, will make them come to the table and say, okay, we have to do what's right to make sure that our trading uh, agreements is a win-win for both of us if we can ha- make that happen. But when you look at all the, the, the years that all of our businesses knew that we were having intellectual property stolen, they've complained about it. They knew that the tariffs were er- erroneous to the businesses and not fair to the businesses here. They knew that the labor, and, and when we talk about um, the labor camps and, and the, that, that the, the, the Chinese would have that would pay the people way less than they're paying our people, the businesses turned a blind eye and said, okay, we can give up a little bit of intellectual property as long as we have the greatest profit that we have coming out of pocket. Well, Donald Trump is saying, you complained about this for all these years, and now that I want to do something about it, you guys still want to continue on, on this uneven path of, 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 of trade agreement with them? No, we have them on the ropes. Let's keep them there until we make them come to the table. Even if they don't meet us 50-50, at least make it a little 60-40, but it's going to be a whole lot better than we currently have. So with supporting Donald Trump back then uh, in the 2016 election was rather interesting. It was very difficult, but it was the right thing to do, particularly for the sovereignty of our nation. Well, uh, Jennifer, before we let you go, uh, pass along a website here we can send people to. Maggie's List. Dot org. That's M-A-G-G-I-E-S 
L-I-S-T dot O-R-G, Maggie'sList.org. You can see all our candidates that we've supported in the past, our candidates that we're currently supporting in 2020, yes. and an opportunity to donate and see what Maggie's List is all about. Well, Lieutenant Governor, I appreciate you making time for us today. Alan K. Patch coming up here in a few moments after our commercial break. But, uh, Jennifer, have yourself a wonderful day, and it was an honor and a privilege. Thank you for your service, and thanks for being on with us today. My pleasure, and thank you for yours as well. Appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. There she goes, Jennifer Carroll, and uh, we are going to have Alan K. Patch coming up here in just a few moments on our world-famous iHeartRadio broadcast. <laughs> 